1: Welcome back. We are talking about the Thanksgiving feast. For many of us, it will be the first one in a few years. And we're kind of out of practice at making such a big meal, if that's what you're doing. I'd like to hear from you about what you're doing. How many people are you having? What are you cooking? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And even our food gurus are not doing absolutely everything themselves. And I have to say, neither am I, even though that's what I usually do. So let's talk turkey a little bit. Um, it's a good idea to brine the turkey. Uh, yeah. Uh, tell us about that. Well, there's different
2: kinds of brining, and I am a real proponent of, um, the, dry, of dry brining. Yeah, me too. And, yeah, it's, when you, when you wet brine, it, the, the, the turkey does absorb some of the, 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 the brine, and you get a lot of juice, but actually the juice is, has been watered down because of the brine. So what I prefer to do is, um, is do a dry brine, and I can actually just tell you, that for about a 12-pound turkey, one and a half tablespoons of kosher salt, if you use regular salt, A, it doesn't work as well, and secondly, it's it's actually saltier. Mm -hmm. So one and a half tablespoons of kosher salt and half a tablespoon of baking powder. And I know it sounds funny to add baking powder, but a reader wrote in to me about it, and she said, try it, and I did, and it makes the skin crispier.
1: Okay, uh, just for anybody listening, the word brining can be a bit scary, but right. it's basically salting the turkey, and you leave it uncovered for what twenty four hours 24, in 48 the fridge. hours, right? yeah. Well, 20, and forty eight is okay, right?
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah.
1: And and the wet brine, it's true. It's it, you know
3: my my catering kitchen used to do it, but it can be a messy job, and you know just even finding a tub big enough to put the turkey in and then refrigerating it. That's right.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: Okay, so uh, that's something that you should be starting a day or two beforehand. What what else should be done in advance? That's uh, one thing I'm always wondering about. What can you do in advance and just reheat? Well, I like to, you know, as opposed to a bread stuffing, I love to do <clears throat> grains, and I don't stuff it. I keep it on the side, but I do a nice wild
3: brown rice, pilaf with some dried fruit, and that's, or, or even I'll do ancient grains like a quinoa. And so that's easy to prep the day before, and then you can just warm it up in the oven if you're serving it warm and even with the vegetables, you know you might want to go a different route than the mashed potatoes I like to you know people are really you know trying to do more of the cauliflower rice, even um shredded brussels sprouts, and carrot rice is what we're doing now, even in our in our um in our business, so it's just carrot rice away from do you mean traditional
1: carrots that's cut like rice, pardon me. Carrot rice? What do you, you yeah, carrot rice. So we're just shaving it and we're
3: just grating it down. And we do that a lot for our, our, um, home meals. And as opposed to, you know, people are very carb conscious today as well. So those that are, and if you've got carb conscious people coming, then you can do a nice vegetable rice, which is wonderful.
2: Uh, No, you can make cranberry sauce way ahead of time. mm -hmm. Um, like today. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. If you can put yourself together. Um, One, I just want to say a couple of things about stuffing, um, which are health concerns. Don't stuff your turkey till right before you're putting it in the oven. And if you're, if that's what you're doing. And secondly, um, take the stuffing out after you finish dinner and keep it separately from the bird Mm -hmm. because stuffing can, uh, you know, it, 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 not normally, but it can have, uh, issues with it if it's not cooked through
1: properly. Right. And what kind of stuffing are you doing, Lucy?
2: Well, you know, we always do the stuff that our family likes, right? So my family likes um, um, apples and, and uh, egg bread and um, uh, lots of onions, fennel. Celery, that kind of stuffing, mm-hmm. sage. It's a very, it's much, it's quite traditional, but that's what they like. And I really think that if you're going to do Thanksgiving, you have to make what people like. Right.
1: The, exactly. The, the other thing that this is. Tell me if I'm completely wrong here. In I've tried all kinds of stuffing, and I've kind of come to the conclusion that at the end of the day, it all kind of tastes the same anyway.
2: Well, yeah, it can Red if you stuffing, if you stuff actually. it inside the bird. Yeah. In a way, yes, because you lose a lot of the stuffing flavor mm-hmm. because you get a lot of the turkey juices. However, that's what, that's what I like. So, <laughs> we usually do, uh, uh, we usually do do that. Um, can we, two things that I thought maybe we could discuss. One would be if you don't want to make turkey because you've got a right. smaller family. If you can get a capon, I really think that that is a wonderful mm-hmm. substitute.
1: Didn't you use capon one year, Libby? I've used it a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm going back to turkey this year, but I'm, uh, I'm spatchcocking the turkey, which means uh, butterflying it, basically. Mm-hmm. It cooks a yes. lot faster. Yeah,
2: I, I'm 100% for that, too. We always do that now. Not only does it cook faster, it's
1: so much easier to carve
2: Right. Well, last year I did corner hens for my husband and I.
1: <laughs> oh, well, yeah. That's, that's the lonely Thanksgiving. So exactly. The, the, exactly. the spatchcocking, so then you get the bones and you can make some stock or whatever in advance. Yeah, and then you can make your gravy in advance. It's all perfect. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's all perfect.
3: Okay. And, and even when you think about vegetarian or vegan dishes, there's so many things you can do to, to please your crowd you know, with beans and, and different grains. There's it's 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 amazing what you can serve.
1: Um what about squash? So uh it's you know, squash uh how are you doing your squash, Lucy, if you're doing it?
2: I actually am. And we're doing a Korean style squash this time because um I've got a you know, squash is sweet or sweet potatoes you could do the same way. And so I roast it, and or you can boil it and mash it. And then I add in a little bit of Korean hot sauce, um, which has also got a bit of sweet in it, called gochujang, which is the most popular hot sauce in Canada today, apparently. Um, I have and,
1: trouble finding it.
2: Uh, you know, it's uh, most of the uh, Chinese stores, the Asian supermarkets, they carry it.
1: Yeah, when I found it, it was just in such a huge quantity that forget it.
2: Well, you know what you can do with a huge quantity is freeze half of it. Okay. Right. Um, Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. So you just mix some of the Korean hot sauce uh, into your mashed squash with some butter, salt, pepper, and lemon juice. And honestly, it tastes great.
1: Mm, It's a great tip. Mhm. I'm I'm thinking I'm just going to take small like delicata squash, uh, cut it in half, put a little um uh, maple syrup and hot pepper and, and just 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 cinnamon a little cinnamon and just throw it in the oven. That's really easy. It mm-hmm. is. And um, these delicata squash are delicious and they're very available today. And and if not, you can always buy the squash that's already
3: pre-packaged for people that just need it easier and it's already yep. cut into large cubes. You can cut it up a little more and roast it.
1: Yeah, yep. those those packages can be really expensive, I have to say. Yeah. Once they cut it for you, there there's right. there's a, a premium for that. Right,
2: right. Well, there is, but then you have to look at your time. Yeah, exactly. Well, and decide if it's worth it. Like I think it is.
1: Some of those butternut squash can
3: be pretty dangerous to cut, too, if you're not (laughs) good with a knife.
1: That's a good point. Yeah. That's a really good point. Now, in terms of uh, doing vegetables in advance, Mm -hmm. uh, Brussels sprouts or green beans, can you kind of par-cook them in advance? I think you, you know, I very often
2: finish the dish except for the last step and then do the last step right before dinner. So I do, I pre-cook the Brussels sprouts and the carrots and everything because Mm -hmm. otherwise I'm just, I'm exhausted. Yeah, yeah, and
3: getting everything out on time too. Yeah, Yeah, I'll I'll actually roast
2: Libby a lot of my vegetables
3: ahead of time and just then warm them up at the end. And they're That's right, you can even microwave them if you Mm -hmm. want
2: to. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, so that's, I just wanted a little detail on that. So you roast the Brussels sprouts, what, a few minutes less than they say? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you, can. you can do that, yeah. And then what? how do you heat them up? Do you well, put it... it depends what you're serving
2: them in. If you're making kind of one of the sauces, you know, with anchovies or um, garlic or whatever, then you can put them that into your skillet, and then you add the Brussels sprouts, toss them all together. But I don't even really want to do that at the last minute because there's lots of people and there's lots of food going on. So generally, I finish the dish, put them into serving dishes— and either I'll microwave them or I'll put them into the oven at 3.50 for right. 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, just oh. to, just to keep
1: it warm. Yes, yeah. and then you've taken out the turkey. Um, I just yep. want to give the numbers out again. People, don't be shy. We do have just a few minutes left. 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 uh, 740 740 I'd like to know what you're doing for Thanksgiving. Are you having people over and what are you cooking? And uh, what's changed? Uh, and you feel kind of out of practice because I do. <laughs> but uh, going to pare it down just a little bit now. In in terms of dessert, uh, are you going? Uh, you're going traditional pumpkin pie, Lucy? <laughs> no, apple pie. Our, fam- our families are, are are all apple pie eaters. <laughs>
3: And I'm doing a beautiful um, fresh berry crisp or an apple crisp.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. So no pumpkin, pumpkin pie here.
3: Oh,
2: we do. It's just lovely. A really nice fresh berry or, or apple pear crisp is so nice. Yeah. Um, apparently, apple crisp is the favorite dessert um, in um, the uh, in uh, Ontario. There you go. Really. <laughs> For Thanksgiving or in general in in general, yeah
3: so so delicious, yeah, yeah, I like to serve it with a little vanilla ice cream my my husband now is serving it with a buffalo yogurt, he loves that, wow,
1: yeah, and very healthy, yeah, buffalo yogurt, mhm, okay, wow, um, crisp, so uh. The first thing is to brine the turkey. Uh, Lucy, remind me the is salt and how much um, baking soda. Well, I used one and a half tablespoons of, of diamond kosher salt
2: and half a tablespoon of uh, baking powder.
1: Baking powder, not baking soda. No baking powder. Okay. Uh, And you do that for a day or so, a day or two, and then you can, uh, uh, the day before, you can do all those vegetables? Yeah, I do. Mm -hmm.
3: Even the crisp I can make the day before, not bake it and put it into the oven as we're eating dinner, so that comes out really nice and hot.
1: Oh, that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And and the gravy, we're buying it? Well, uh, no, make it
2: ahead of time and then add it into the... Into your roasting pan once the turkey's
1: resting. Okay, That's you're what making I would me f-
2: say. Or even if you buy it, do that too, because then mm-hmm. you'll pick up the flavors of the of the turkey.
1: Yeah, you're making me feel guilty about the mm-hmm. buying thing. But uh, let's go to John in Mississauga. Hi, John. Hi.
4: Uh, good afternoon, ladies. Um, Hi. I just wanted to comment um, if if any if any of you have ever uh, we're having a frozen t- uh, pre-stuffed turkey, and I've had very good luck with those in the past. Mm-hmm. Just wondered if anybody's ever. Uh, use that and uh, what they thought of it.
2: Uh, yeah, I've yeah. had it. I It came from from Loblaws, right?
4: Yeah, the butterball.
2: The butterball. It butter was ball, pretty yeah. good. I thought it uh, worked out very well.
4: Yeah, it did. and You know, it cuts a little time as far as making stuffing, too. So. Yeah, <laughs> how
2: long did it
3: take
4: you to cook it, John? Uh, well, it just depends on the size of the bird. It tells you right on the package. Right. Um, so, and, and then, you know, the stuffing's never as good as homemade, but it wasn't right. bad. wasn't yeah, bad at all.
1: So That works. Yeah. Okay. And stick some gravy over it. <laughs> uh, oh, absolutely. And cranberry sauce. <laughs> cranberry sauce, yeah. 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 Okay, John, thanks, thanks ladies. For that. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. And, Bye. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank okay, Bye. Okay, let's go to Dorothy in Toronto. Hi, Dorothy. Hi, Libby. I want to say
2: happy Thanksgiving to everyone.
3: Okay. To you, and, Thank you.
2: But you know what? Though I do things and my mom, we did things different. We bought fresh turkeys, but if you had to get a frozen one, you put it in the sink. And warm water overnight so that when you, you're not putting a frozen or half-frozen turkey in the oven and you wait at least until the turkey's in for about an hour, an hour and a half and starts, you know, but you can hear the fat flying so you can turn the heat down a little. And that's when you put in your potatoes and carrots and you roast them around
1: the turkey. Okay, it, it Dorothy, thanks for that I tip. <laughs> is that, sticking it in warm water, is that a good idea? Well, I'm always I, I, I don't
2: really yeah. like to do that because I think it robs the trickiest flavor. But do you know about uh, using uh, stainless steel for defrosting? You defrost them half the time. Um, if you, you've got a, or aluminum or any, like the metals, so you take a baking sheet and you put your, take the turkey out of the wrappings, put it on the baking sheet. And it probably, I don't know, I haven't done a turkey on it, but I've done chicken and things like that. It takes half the time. You just turn it occasionally. Really? Uh, and it it's it a In- chemical reaction, which I have to say my husband, my husband explained to me and I still didn't understand. Mm-hmm. But it produces heat. Wow. Mm. And that's in the fridge. That that's No, you th- don't do it in the fridge, you do it on, on the, the counter. counter. And you wanna do a steak, it takes like two hours. Oh. And you don't lose all the juices or anything. Really?
3: Okay. Mm-hmm. Gonna and have Libby, to try I've gotta give you one quick hack that I that I that someone told me and I did try it, it worked out very well with the whole chicken and a turkey. Is to take some mayonnaise. I use a light mayonnaise and instead of butter, stuff it under the skin of the turkey and then spread it all over the turkey. I had the crispest, most delicious skin of that turkey ever.
1: I know Lucy, Lucy usually advises butter. Yeah.
3: yeah, I'm not such a, I'm not such a butter person, but I tried the mayo. It really worked well.
1: Wow. That's something. Mm -hmm. Let's, uh, let's, uh, take one more quick one from Brian in Toronto. Hi, Brian.
5: Hi guys. Thanks for taking my call. Happy Thanksgiving. I (laughs) hope everybody has a safe one. Uh, this year, because we're still, some of us are still very limiting our gatherings, instead of necessarily cooking an entire bird, which is a lot of food, mm-hmm. is you can cook a piece. You can buy a turkey breast and a turkey right. leg. And then, you know, the, the cook time, the process, I'm going to have myself, my fiancé, and maybe our kids, and that's it. And we're going to have six people to sort of cook a whole bird. And you can do the stuffing in a roasting pan. You can do right. your squash and your sweet potatoes. It okay. saves a lot of time and effort.
3: Right then, you're not eating turkey for ten days,
1: right?
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and, if, and and a
3: half-eaten turkey sits in the fridge, takes up a lot of space. It's so true.
1: I don't mind eating turkey for ten days. <laughs> I have it yeah, all hear, planned yeah. out. There's turkey jambalaya. There's turkey pot yeah, pie. There's pasta.
5: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but tr- so sometimes you know when I when my kids were little, I had leftovers. So they wouldn't eat the same food. I had to recycle them. I had to find new <laughs> oh, ways of being. Yeah, to it's so true. Is, huh?
2: Yeah. Um, one, one tip about tur- storage after the turkey has, uh, with the leftover turkey, is take all the bones off. Mm-hmm. Because they um, attract bacteria. So you take mm-hmm. all the bones uh, off.
1: And, and then can you can, can make a f- stock out of the bones. Oh, okay, you I was, right.
5: Or you can make a stock which you can use for soups or gravies, right? Yeah,
1: I was mm. going to ask. So you can still make a stock out of the right. bones. bones? It's actually better. Because it, it has a stronger flavor, right, of course, that yeah. makes sense, okay, Brian, thanks for that, and happy have Thanksgiving a
4: holiday, everybody Thanksgiving.
1: okay, so uh, people are calling right at the end of the show, and uh. we only have a few seconds <laughs> left, so uh, fifteen seconds each, Lucy, what would you like to leave us with?
2: <laughs> well, don't stress yourself, do lots ahead of time and and there's no reason why you can't ask your family or friends if that's who you're having. To bring a dish.
3: And Rose? Um, Just enjoy the evening. Do what you can do. Don't stress yourself out. Don't be working the entire weekend to do it. Pick the dishes that you know your family likes and just enjoy, enjoy being together.
1: Okay, and and people, we can revisit this on Free For All Friday, um, because uh, obviously uh, it, people were a little shy and it took them a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everybody have a happy Thanksgiving, and thank you so much, Lucy thank you, Waverman. Thank you, too. And Rose Reisman. Take care, Lucy, thank you. Great to talk to you, Libby. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care. bye-bye. And that's all the time we have for today.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Welcome back. Now to the fun part, at least if you enjoy cooking and entertaining. I think a lot of us are looking at smaller gatherings, which means... A smaller turkey, <clears throat> excuse me, which actually may be harder to find if you haven't ordered one by now. And what about accommodating vegans and vegetarians? So uh, let me give the numbers out to call if you have questions. What are some of the best ways to get ready and to start prepping before the big event? 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. And now, I would like to welcome our food gurus, health and wellness expert and author and caterer, Rose Reisman, and Lucy Waverman, a food columnist and cookbook author. Thank you so much for being with us. Hi, everyone. Uh, Hi, guys. Hi, Lucy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. So first, let me start by asking, uh, Lucy, what are you doing this year that's different than last year? Uh, well what's different
2: is I'm doing it. <laughs> Last year we didn't do anything because of uh COVID. So this year the family is getting together, which is I guess the first Thanksgiving we've had in two years. Is that would that be right? And um we're all really looking forward to it. But we're splitting up the um all the cooking between uh myself and my two daughters.
1: Right. And do you have and I've any... never done that before. I've always done it all. Yeah, and I remember last year you did you did it all and sent out care packages. I did. Uh, but do you have any unvaccinated grandchildren under 12? No. Oh, so they're all over 12, so that's not an issue then. No, there's no issue. We we um,
2: um, everybody's really looking forward to coming because we don't we haven't seen much of each other over the past 18 months, right? Uh, Rose, what about you? What are your plans?
3: Um, I've got the whole group coming for um, Monday brunch, actually. And there's uh, my whole family, there's about 14 of us. Wow. And I do have grandchildren under the age of six, four little grandchildren under the age of six. So they're not vaccinated. But, you know, look, I think that that in the end, um, I I want to enjoy seeing them. And so there's always a risk Living in general, and, and we're we're taking that risk.
1: Okay, but are you are you going to be outside or you're inside uh, for the whole we're, thing? We're
3: probably going to be it. You know, if it's nice out, we'll we'll mingle outside a bit, but we'll ultimately be inside.
1: Okay. Uh, so first of all, my first thought on this, Lucy, you hit it on the head that it's it's been a while. So. Even doing this kind of a feast once a year, uh, requires organization and remembering, but, but I think some of us, and probably myself included, are a little out of practice.
2: Well, I think that's absolutely true. I think that people have been so afraid of being together, and especially inside, that, um, we've forgotten how to feed more than our, you know, whoever we live with, um, and lately maybe plus one more couple, right? Mm-hmm. Um, going, Getting back into the swing of it is really hard. It, in fact, it's daunting when you have to have, um, you know, 14 people and you've been cooking for two. So, <laughs> so yes, really.
1: So, yeah. Lucy,
2: how many are you having? Um, I think there's 12. 12, yeah.
1: Okay, uh let me give the numbers out again cuz uh, I guess people will be having questions. 416-360-0740 toll free 1-866-740-4740. So, uh what's the best way of doing this is it uh starting by making a list or simplifying the meal? What would you say?
2: Well, I think that simplifying uh, is one answer. I think the other answer is doing what we're doing. We're spreading it amongst three of us where we'll, I will do the main dishes. Now in a lot of families today, it isn't just you can have a simple turkey because you've got vegetarians, you've got vegans, you've got you know p- gluten free, you've got yeah. people on all different diets. Um, and um, so it is easier in a way, To make one other thing that will satisfy the other members of your family. So it isn't, it isn't just straightforward, you know, um, Brussels sprouts with butter. What about the vegan, you know? Yeah, I find the same thing. There's, you know, I've got a gluten free and I'm,
3: one of my daughters is more vegetarian based. So I tend to do, you know, I, I like to satisfy as many people as I can. That's, that's always been my method of cooking. So I, I do tend to make more and I do, you know, require a little bit of advance, uh, work on it. But, um, ultimately I like everybody to be in, enjoying it as well.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think you try, particularly on these big family occasions, to make right. everybody
3: feel welcome. Right. And Lucy, look, I mean, we can do it easy, easier, right? You know what I mean? Like, well, true. We but yeah.
2: <laughs> you can buy. And, I mean, that's yeah. one thing that has changed exactly. for me over the pandemic is that I buy a lot more things. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I'm the greatest vegan cook. Right. Um, and um, I. so what I do is I order um, something vegan for the vegan at the table. Right. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. And okay. I would even go to,
3: you know, my catering company, and they just would do such an amazing turkey, and I wouldn't have to worry about, you know, either overcooking or not paying attention. I would do that, and I would even buy uh, a nice gravy for the turkey. Sometimes I'd do a turkey breast if I'm not going to have you know that many people, or I have more vegetarians-based.
1: I, so, I, I did that the last time. I mm-hmm. bought gravy, because that's the one thing I find you taking the turkey out of the oven when people are there because you want it hot. Right. And then uh, to start messing around with gravy, then that is like a a stress builder. Yeah, pain.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But wait, what you can do if you want to make your own gravy, which I always think tastes better, is you can actually pre-make a sauce. Like um, you know, based with chicken, based on chicken broth or turkey broth, if you happen to have it. Then when the turkey comes out of the oven, you've got to let it sit for ten minutes. So you put it on your carving board, you spill the fat out, and there's still some nice little juicy bits and you pour your pre-made
1: gravy over it and scrape it all up and it tastes fantastic. That's a great idea. That is a great idea. I want to ask people who are listening what they're doing. Are you doing the usual turkey? Uh, Did you order the turkey? I know it was like two and a half weeks ago. I was in the supermarket and I overheard somebody ordering a turkey and and the the meat guy who knows me sort of I said what what are you doing this is early i don't know what i'm doing and he sort of said okay take your time go home and and you can call me tomorrow <laughs> and yeah. i know that uh, small turkeys are at a premium so people out there i'd like to know what you're doing the numbers to call 416-360-0740 Toll-free 866 4740 740 What are you doing for Thanksgiving? Are you having people? How many? And what are you serving? Please tell me. And right now we're going to take a break. And on the other side of it, we will be back with more from Lucy Waverman and Rose Reisman.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now... Right back with Libby Nimer on Zoomer Radio. Good
1: afternoon and welcome. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has unveiled his government's plan to mandate COVID-19 vaccination for all federal workers and travellers on trains, planes and ships. Here are some of the key details that you heard in Bob's news. So, the deadline... For them to be fully vaccinated is October 30th. And if they haven't shown or attested to the fact that they are vaccinated, then uh, they will be put on administrative leave without pay by November 15th. This applies to federal government employees, the core public administration, the RCMP corrections workers, border workers. Now in terms of federal contractors like cleaning staff, uh they also have to be double vaxxed and there are an estimated two hundred and sixty seven thousand employees covered by this uh, and they also have to report their vaccination status and the federal government is working with the employers. So one of the key questions is how is this going to be enforced? We're told, first of all, that the federal employees, they don't have to show proof. They have to attest that they are vaccinated. Deputy Prime Minister Christian Freeland said this is a stopgap so, so they can start putting a deadline in of October 29th. Uh, But that also raises a lot of questions. If you have questions, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now joining me is David Witten, founding partner of Witten and Lublin Employment Lawyers. Hello, David. How are you? I'm well,
4: Libby. Thanks for having me on.
1: Well, thank you for coming on. So, uh, in terms of uh, the enforceability of this, uh, first of all, is there a difference with employees who are unionized as opposed to, to those who are in a professional association or something other than a union?
4: Yeah, there is. But I mean, just as a general statement, Libby, I'm going to say that I think this is ludicrous. This policy is going to create far more problems than it solves. The government has already spent an inordinate amount of money on this issue, on dealing with the pandemic, and it's going to only cost them more by enforcing this. Um, It's going to lead to constructive dismissal claims, severance payments. Uh, and also is going to have a significant impact on the practical operation of our government when key employees are off on this unpaid leave because they didn't get vaccinated. Who's going to do their job while they're gone? So that being said, um, that's my rant for the day, Libby. Okay. I got it out of my system. Um, and I'm, it may provoke some more questions from you. But uh, the answer to your question is, yes, There's it's very different in the sense that The dispute resolution mechanism available to non-unionized employees is different than it is for union employees. Unionized employees have a grievance procedure that they have to follow when dealing with these types of plan, these types of policies. Non-union employees have uh, resort to a Canada Labor Code uh, dispute resolution process or the courts.
1: OK, uh, so getting to what you've said now, we've seen here, for instance, uh healthcare workers in some hospitals, they've already put people on unpaid leave. We've seen the Ontario Human Rights Tribunal saying that they're not going to accommodate people who don't want to get vaccinated. Um, so why are you anticipating such a big problem with the federal public service?
4: Well, first of all, Libby, the problem is it's a one-size-fits-all policy for everyone. The reality is is that there are a number of federal workers that strictly speaking could be accommodated for re- I'm not talking about uh, with it for human rights code reasons or necessarily medical reasons, just could be accommodated in some other form. What do I mean by that? That a uh, rapid antigen testing procedure or some other safety protocol short of vaccination that would keep them and their colleagues safe, because a lot of them have been working from home this whole time. They're not interacting with the public directly. So query why they then have to be vaccinated. If there's some other form of protection available now, I differentiate that from the situation, maybe of frontline healthcare workers, for example. There are certain positions, absolutely, uh, in a federal public service where employees are uh, engaging with people that may be immunocompromised or uh, on a direct, a direct level, in which case there may not be an alternative to full vaccination. But that's a very small subset within the federal government. So. That's the problem I see, is that we have a one-size-fits-all vaccination policy when there should be that It's not necessary.
1: Well, yeah, the the one thing I did wonder about is that uh, this uh, appears to apply to people who are working remotely. And uh, if they're working remotely, I'm not sure what difference it makes.
4: Well, exactly. But even if they're not working remotely and they're going to start to cycle back into the office, as we anticipate in the new year, there are other safety protocols that can be put into place that a number of employers have already. For example, social distancing, mask wearing, all this stuff, the good stuff we're already familiar with. But then we also have a number of employers have gone with what I will call an optional vaccination policy. And what I mean by that is that the employee has the option of vaccinating or uh, submitting to rapid antigen testing on a regular basis to confirm that they're not coming to the office infected. So, um, But I just want to comment on something you've said that the Human Rights Tribunal in Ontario has, has said that there are accommodations that will have to be made for certain religious exemptions, and there's a very short list of religions, actually, that, like that which somebody ones? can rely on.
1: As far as I know, all the major religions have said, get vaccinated.
4: Yeah, there's only six of them. Uh, if you want, I can give you the list on the radio. Most of them are probably uh, ones that you haven't heard of, but um, I'll, I'll give them to you. Dutch Reformed, Faith Tabernacle. Church of Firstborn, Faith Assemblies, End of Time Ministries, Church of Christ Scientists. Yeah. Those are the six religions that have thrown down and said no vaccination. The rest have not. So then we end up, so just to be clear though, Libby, the Human Rights Tribunal of Ontario has said we won't, from their perspective, Creed, which is one of the protected grounds of the human rights. Uh, uh, code that some employees are now trying to rely on. They're suggesting that it may not be a religious exemption that they're relying on, but it's a creed, a deeply held belief that they have or conviction. What the tribunal has told us is that that is not something that they regard as a legitimate accommodation request based on creed only. You either have to fit into one of these six churches that have prescribed uh, the exemption, or you have to have a very specific medical exemption.
1: Okay. Um, But um, again, I mean, uh, the government is focusing on public-facing employees, also on travelers. Do you anticipate any problems there?
4: Well, first of all, they have to align their policies with with the airlines, and it would be more consistent if everybody across the country, all employers are on their policies, or even the statements that they're putting out. Like, for example, the guidelines here in Ontario are that it is a best practice to have a vaccination policy. In some areas, it's mandated, depending upon the nature of the work that you do. But they haven't said that it has to be mandatory. They've said that you have to have a vaccination policy, but they've within that guidance, they've suggested that they're all there are alternatives to being vaccinated, such as education, educational program followed by antigen testing regime. So it's the inconsistency that's creating the issues here.
1: Yeah, but, uh, uh, what we're seeing is, uh, is, uh, getting rid of the accommodations, getting rid of the, it, they're getting rid of it in healthcare. Uh, healthcare was the vanguard, not the province, but, but individual, uh, and collectively hospitals. We're finally seeing a mandate in long-term care. And uh, in a lot of workplaces are saying, hey, we have to protect our workers. And and uh, what we see is that people who are vaccinated and going to work, like they aren't thrilled about having unvaccinated people, even if they take the antigen test, because that's not a 100%
4: yeah but, but libby, I think that uh, first of all, there's a lot of misinformation out there about the just the, the pandemic generally and the vaccines, which I won't get into, but it's created a lot of resistance to the vaccination, which um as a tale for another day, I suppose, but there are a, a few things in the science that have been commonly accepted it' only a few things we know for sure: one is that if you're vaccinated there is less, you are less likely to develop severe symptoms from COVID-19 if you become infected. That we know uh, from the science. We know that people that have been vaccinated are slightly less transmissible with if they have COVID-19 than the unvaccinated. But we also know that there are those breakthrough cases where I, I call these the Trojan horses of the pandemic. These are vaccinated individuals that are asymptomatic but have COVID that is contagious. So, in that, so I'm, I'm highlighting these two things that are commonly accepted wisdom now because the rest of the science out there appears to be in flux for the purpose of underscoring that having everybody vaccinated in the workplace doesn't necessarily make it any safer. Well,
1: That's it makes I it, it, well, I, I would differ with you there. It doesn't make it 100% safe but it certainly makes it a lot safer. Anyway, uh, we have to wrap this segment up. So uh, what would you like to leave us with on this plan?
4: I just hope that the government revisits this issue so that they don't end up having to pay millions, at least in severance costs, when a number of these employees ultimately take the position that they have been constructively dismissed or when they're put on this unpaid leave. Because Lord knows our our governments have paid enough in this this pandemic to try to address it, and this cost I think could be avoided.
1: Mm, uh, couldn't they just change the law?
4: Right. Well, uh, well, that that's that, that's probably a question for a longer segment, Libby, because it's not just as simple as changing the law. We have, uh, first of all, uh, the overlay of legislation that the government has drafted, but we also have the common law here in every province in in Canada, with the exception of Quebec, that interprets that legislation. So even if the government were to change the legislation, I anticipate there, there will be a number of legal challenges before the courts challenging that, that, that legislation. So um, it, it, the story is far from over.
1: Okay, and I'm sure we will be revisiting it again soon. David Witten, employment lawyer, thanks for being with us.
4: Thank you, Libby. Take care.
1: Okay. Well, To a much more pleasant subject, Thanksgiving. It's coming up, and we should all be thankful that it's going to be better and more convivial than last year's. But there are still issues around safety. Public health officials have been telling us that if everyone that you're having over is vaccinated. It's okay to take off our masks indoors, which means many of us will be able to share the Thanksgiving feast. But what about grandparents getting together with unvaccinated grandchildren? And should we try to keep more distance even around the table? Those are some questions I have. Let me give you the numbers if you have questions. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744. And now I'd like to welcome Dr. Elisa Naiman, a family physician with the Medical Station Clinic in Toronto, and Dr. Timothy Sly, an epidemiologist and professor at the School of Occupational and Public Health at Ryerson University. Thank you for being with us.
5: Pleasure,
1: Libby. Thank thank you for having me. Well, uh, Dr. Sly, uh, what kind of a Thanksgiving are you having and who are you going to be hanging out with?
5: (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be cautious, Libby. It won't be uh, free and open. Remember that last uh, Halloween when we spoke, we didn't have the Delta variant around, and that one is far more transmissible. So we've got to be proportionately more cautious. Uh, essentially, we're saying if everybody's vaccinated, uh, the youngsters as well, then we can relax in our family bubble, take our mask off and enjoy everything. But if uh, if you've got unvaccinated people there, particularly kids, and you've got old people or highly vulnerable people, then we've got to take the proper
1: precautions. Uh, Dr. Naiman what, what are your patients asking you about and what are you telling them? So, you know, what's actually interesting is that a lot
6: of people haven't inquired about what they're supposed to do um a lot of it was when the kids were going back to school the grandparents wanted to know what they should do nobody this is the first holiday that nobody has actually asked me what they think they should do
1: okay but i bet you have some ideas on it
6: (laughs) oh and and i think a lot of it is because a lot of a lot of my patients are vaccinated now so it only becomes an issue as what do you do with the grandchildren who who can't be vaccinated And what we've been telling everybody is that in that case, always best to have it outside. I don't know what the weather is going to be like this weekend, but if it's going to be nice, I think everybody should try to keep things outside. And if you have elderly people who have complex medical histories, who getting sick with COVID despite being vaccinated is going to be concerning, then you have to really think twice about who you're going to invite and having your uh, over for Thanksgiving.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Sly, uh, would you concur with that?
5: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Dr. Nyman is exactly right. Outdoors, we, we now know that that's about the safest place to be. So wrap up warm, warmly, turn on the barbecue, if you like, whatever, whether it's Thanksgiving or, or uh, Halloween, whatever it is. Let's do some things outside. Well, but this year, in fact, our temperatures are, are way above what we, we normally are. It's normally a six or seven around this time of year. So let's take advantage of that and uh, celebrate outdoors.
1: I think, frankly, uh, people are a little sick of having to have the meal outdoors anyway in the fall. Um, but, uh, I guess that if, uh, they're going to be with unvaccinated grandchildren, that is, uh, probably the best way to go, right? Dr. Naaman? Yeah, I,
6: th- I think. And honestly, it will depend on what your risk tolerance or what your risk risk tolerance is to get sick. A lot of people are just honestly fed up. They want to go and return back to their life, and they just say, "Listen, if I get sick, I'm going to get sick, and I'll just deal with it. And I just I need to go back to normal." Um, always safe is to do it outside. If you're going to do it indoors, you know you should have good ventilation. You should have the windows open, um, and then you sort of have to think about: is there any type of Hybrid that you could come up with that maybe everybody's not sitting around the table and eating. Um, I guess it all just depends on what people want to do and how much how concerned people are about getting sick. Now,
1: um, I have a question. Uh, in uh, In my own home, I've I've come up with I came up with a pandemic kind of seating arrangement that's different. Uh, and instead of having you know ten people really huddled around a table, I have fewer. But uh, so I sort of put couples together at opposite ends of the table uh, and then maybe across from each other i mean is does it matter at this point if everybody is vaccinated and uh, is it okay to add a few more people or is that a bad idea
5: i think if you're uh, if you're saying everybody's vaccinated yeah. And this is part of your extended family bubble. And I think we could relax a little bit there, a bit more. The only thing we watch out for is that uh, seniors... Uh, tend to have uh, an immune system that's not that robust and even though they may have been vaccinated their antibody production may wane a little faster than the rest of us uh, I say rest of us, I'm one of the seniors, <laughs> but the point is that we've got to be careful of the fact that just because everybody's vaccinated doesn't mean to say that they will remain, everybody will remain at the optimal level of uh, protection, so we still got to be looking at, in fact we may have to look forward in the indefinite future to a kind of endemic uh, situation, because we probably won't reach herd immunity now, the way things are going, where many people older people may actually have to think of wearing a mask whenever they're on the subway or in transit or in a concert hall or or in a large group anyway, regardless of this the situation of vaccination just because uh just because transmissions can still take place and because they may not be fully vaccinated uh, you know, for the full year.
1: Uh, Dr. Neyman, do you have a, 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 any advice on, on my table? It's not family, but it's uh, friends. Uh, everybody is, you know, very healthy, and, but, uh, but not young. So,
6: yes. Yeah, so, one, you'd have to make sure that everybody is double vaccinated within oh, yeah.
1: the two weeks.
6: and then it And then you would have to, the next thing I would just tell you to do is that you should ask everybody that they have no symptoms. So if you have a symptom, that's suggestive of anything, potentially then you would stay home. Um, you could al- also, you know, some people feel like they feel safer if they ask their guests to do a rapid test before they come. Um, but I think in terms of spacing and having people in groupings, I don't know if you're going to hit the, the the proper distance, but I think that's what you're doing is better than having everybody huddled all together.
1: Mm-hmm. And should I add a couple more people or just leave it?
6: I guess it depends on how well you know those people. What are their activities? Are there people who are going around and interacting with a lot of people? Are these people that you can trust? Have they been to other parts of the country where there is much higher rates of community transmission of the virus? There's a whole lot of things that you'd have to consider if you want to have more people to come. I think the safest is probably to have your immediate family or to have a small group of people
1: but it all depends. Uh, Dr. Sly, you wanted to jump in there?
5: No, just to say that I think what we've learned, I think, between now and and this time last year is the potential importance for uh, um, uh, transmission within a closed space. It's not necessarily just within one or two meters. It's much like the old argument we used to have about uh, smoking and uh, having a non-smoking ear in a restaurant. It's a bit like, you know, having a peeing section in the local swimming pool. You know, it's all the same water supply, and we're exposed to it all eventually. So that's not a good uh, argument about that. I think the thing to do is, as Dr. Naiman was saying, uh, first of all, make sure he's vaccinated and then uh, um, try and keep it to your family bubble, the people who are used to being together. And uh, again, any symptoms... Stay away from that as well. I think that's probably the best way to go. Yes, for sure,
1: Uh, Doctor Slaw. You've just given me like a really bad mental image there. (laughs) It's like like, you know, we I I can't unsee it. But anyway, um, I've heard some people say that if there are going to be younger unvaccinated grandchildren there, uh, what about them getting rapid tests before the event? Is does. Would that mitigate the uh, risk, Dr. Naiman?
6: I think it would mitigate some of the risk. You know there's to to do a rapid test. You could. You also have to remember you could have a, a false positive, especially with low rates in the community. Um, so then, that person would then have to go and would have to have a PCR test that would be confirmed but if you're going to pick up a positive test then at least you've picked up an asymptomatic positive test that potentially could help to provide a safer environment
1: okay so that's an option it's an expensive option because if you if you want like just for no particular reason a rapid test then it's uh, 40 bucks right depending on how many people you want to give them to and uh does it, does it make sense just to give them to uh, unvaccinated children, or does everybody who's going to be there have one, or or it's not useful?
5: We we have we have avoided. Uh T- testing in either strategic way or, or, or survey way f- since the very beginning. And it's a bit of a shame. Nothing in this pandemic, Libby, and we've spoken about this before, nothing, whether it's screening, ma- uh, monitoring, vaccines, distancing, nothing's 100% safe. So what we do is we layer up these precautions. So if you have one layer, that's better than nothing. Two layers is better than three. And by layering, I mean different precautions. Testing is one of those layers. It's not 100%. We have a, uh, a possibility of false negatives and false positives. Technically, that's called sensitivity and specificity. They do exist in there. But it's an additional layer that you may put on, on top of all of the other best arrangements, and it would just make that a little bit more safer. It's unfortunate. I think the Ontario government must have purchased, I believe, rumor says more than 40 million of these things back last year, and very few of them have actually been used.
1: Yeah, well, actually, uh, I think it's the federal government that distributed them. And, uh, they set them aside for businesses. They were distributed to organizations like chambers of commerce for use in businesses. Then some parents started using them. I mean, we've been through that whole thing. Um, and now they're expanding them to some School districts, but uh, that's a whole other uh, that's a whole other can of worms. If you want a rapid tw- test, you've got to go to a pharmacy and buy one.
5: <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. But there's no reason, I think, not to include that in the arsenal of uh, protective measures that you can take to try and uh, reduce risk as far as reasonably attainable. The Alara principle.
1: Um, Dr. Naiman, are you worried that there will be uh, another spike in cases two weeks after this uh, holiday?
6: I am worried. Um, with every other holiday we've had, we've all had we've all had a spike, um, and I anticipate that the numbers will go up in two weeks. Um, I think Ontario has done a, a really good job of keeping the numbers where we've been at compared to other provinces. And let's hope that, you know, with the weather getting colder and people being indoors and the holiday season coming, that
1: we're not going to have this spike that people are predicting that we might have. And uh, Dr. Sly, what, what would you like to leave us with? Oh, on this? I, I,
5: I absolutely uh, think we should, have, we should we should play back what Dr. Naim has just said again on a, on a loop. Ontario has done remarkably well in this wave. If you look at the other provinces, they're shooting upwards exponentially. Ontario is actually flattened off its fourth wave curve, uh, just because of vaccination and, and the mitigation that people have done. We we should pat ourselves on the back, but Whatever we do, don't, don't relax too much at this point. Uh, we don't want to see that surge going up. Let's keep the thing suppressed. And that means doing all the stuff we've been talking about today.
1: Dr. Naiman, anything you want to add? I just
6: hope people can enjoy the holidays. I think we've been through so much. Um, emotionally everybody is just tired and I think if everybody can do it in a safe way, I think everybody should really appreciate that the time that they spend with their family because um, in the end that's all, that's all that's important is to be around people and to really appreciate life and to realize how far and how, how much of a struggle it's been for all of us for so many months.
1: Okay, that's a good thought. Thank you so much, Dr. Timothy Sly and Dr. Alisa Naiman. Pleasure, Libby. Thank you. And Thank happy... You. Happy Thanksgiving to both of you. Thank you. Okay, we are taking a break. And when we come back, well, what are you going to serve at Thanksgiving? And um, in addition to accommodating uh, the pandemic, what about accommodating vegetarians, vegans, people who don't like turkey? We're going to talk turkey about all of that with our food gurus when we come back.